Hey, it really is a joy for me to be here. It is a true story. My name really is Charlie Brown. My parents did that to me, particularly my father. He did it intentionally. I won't tell that whole story this morning. But I am the pastor at East Baltimore Graffiti Church on Greenmount Avenue. So Greenmount Avenue splits two neighborhoods, right? Midway and Barkley. So I would say, are we from Midway or are we from Barkley? Uh, I figured it out. It took me a minute or two uh, uh, several years ago, but I just say we're from Greenmount. And, and it just satisfies the whole thing there, okay? So I came to Baltimore in August 2014 to share the gospel, to love people, and to start a church. I spent my first six months in the city with you, the Garden Church. Uh, you opened your homes to me, literally, shared meals with me, and encouraged us with friendship. Pastor Joel and several of you shared space with me in the basement at 1411, studying the Word of God together and learning what was going on in Baltimore City. So I come to you today saying thank you. If I don't say anything else well this morning, I'm saying thank you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for your Christian hospitality. Thank you for your fellowship. Thank you for your friendship and love that you extended and continue to extend to me and my family. I have a deep and grateful love for you, the Garden Church family. This morning, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. In our worship this morning, you already preached the gospel. You already addressed this passage of scripture. Uh, so I am very excited to read it. Uh, follow along. Uh, verse 50. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. I'll repeat that. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Amen? Amen. So Kevin asked me, well, what's the title of your sermon today? I said, I changed it four times this week. But really, the title of today's sermon is Somebody Needs a Win. Somebody Needs a Win. Uh, as I prayed and read the scriptures, I contemplated what I would preach when I came to visit you today, and I will be transparent, and I will say that I needed to preach this message to myself all week for my own spiritual well-being. I kept repeating verses 57 and 58 in my head several times over the last almost three weeks. See, when I was a child, I had parents in a church that made me memorize the Word of God whether I wanted to or not. I'm not, saying that's, I'm not saying that's how we should do it, but I'm saying that's how I got it, amen? I wonder, I wonder, and I don't want to be sensational uh, here, but I wondered all week how many people in the city of Baltimore are weary 
are tired and even discouraged. Over 13,000 people have lost their lives in the state of Maryland due to the COVID-19 these last 20 months or so. As of Friday, I refused to watch over the weekend. As of Friday, 32 people, human beings created in the image of God, have lost their lives as a result of violence in the city of Baltimore. The first two victims this year were teenagers. I must continue preaching the truth of the gospel to myself and to others. I, I'm telling you the truth, I do not speak to an individual on Greenmount Avenue whose life or family has not been harshly impacted by either addiction or violence or both. I need a win today. Our kids need a win today. Baltimore City needs a win today. And I'm probably not the only one in this room who needs a win today. So believing the gospel leads to one's salvation, but it does not end there. And I know, I know that you at the Garden Church understand this, and this is one of the reasons I love your pastor and your people, because the gospel informs and impacts our daily lives in so many ways. So many ways. So if you like three main points and you want to take a nap, I'm going to give them to you up front. One, we're going to talk about continue, continuing to serve God with a sense of urgency in verses 50 through 53. Continue serving God with a sense of urgency. And then secondly, continue serving God with the end in view. Continue serving God with the end in view. Number three, continue serving God with joy because your work matters. Your work matters. We're going to talk about that in 57 and 58. We heard scriptures already from 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. So the challenge that Paul is addressing with the Corinthian church, by the way, I have to say this, y'all know the Corinthian church was wild, right? Yeah, you know that, right? I'm not implying anything about your church or mine. I'm just saying the Corinthian church was wild. They had all manner of wild stuff going on in that church. Uh, and so there were some who were saying that there is no resurrection from the dead. False teaching. It's influencing others in the church. And Paul hits it head on in the beginning of chapter 15. It's a long chapter, and we're all thrilled that I'm not preaching the whole chapter this morning. But it's interesting, Paul uses the word brethren three times. He has a lot of love and affection for the Corinthian brothers and sisters. He uses it three times in verse 1, in verse 50, and verse 58. He clearly is instructing believers whose faith is genuine. I love the first three verses of the chapter, and I just want to set it up, if you will allow me. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says this in the beginning of the chapter as he is addressing this problem, this challenge. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What is of first importance to Paul everywhere he goes? It is the gospel. It is a gospel being preached for the salvation of sinners, but Paul knows this, and we do too. It is also the gospel being repeatedly preached and taught because it impacts our daily lives. 
So you received and are standing in the gospel. Paul uses this phrase in Romans 5 when he's talking to the Roman church and he says you're standing in grace. So I am, you are a follower of Jesus, you are actively... Uh, you are actively standing in this salvation. That means you are in it now and you will continue to be in it. The one, that one, is presently standing in the truth of the gospel and will stay there. Verse 3, he states, I delivered it to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul uses this phrase repeatedly, according to the scriptures. I'm a pastor, sometimes I use way too many words. Sometimes when I'm talking to people about addiction or sin or loss or grief, I use a whole bunch of words, but what I need to share with them is the Word of God. The scriptures say this. Hey friend, the Bible says this. So verse 12, Paul states then, how is it that some of you say there's no resurrection from the dead? He says, if there's no resurrection from the dead, then Christ was not raised from the dead. If that's true, my preaching is in vain. Your faith is in vain. We're liars. We're liars and your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins and we are to be pitied. Oh my gosh, that paints a dark picture. What if Christ were not raised from the dead? Well, we know that that is not true. But some were putting this forth in the church and others were living in fear and others were believing it. So I love, we need to read and hear the best of Paul's logical, lawyer-like defense of the gospel. But we do know that Christ was raised from the dead. In verse 35, the question is asked then. Someone will say, how then are the dead raised and with what kind of body do they come? Paul answers the question rather harshly, you fool. We try to clean that up sometimes, right? And I practiced this a couple years ago. I guess our folks thought it was kind of funny, but Paul says, you fool. Got to say it right, fool. That's what Paul's saying. Oh my God, it's harsh language. We don't say that in polite company. He says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. He uses the words perishable and imperishable in verse 50. So, so, so many years ago, I hate to say it that way, but I just did. I worked in a produce warehouse for a major food company. Our job was to receive all the fruits and vegetables from all over the country, sometimes from all over the world, store them quickly and properly, and then send them out to the stores each day as they ordered them. Our goal, of course, was to get the freshest produce quickly from the warehouse onto the shelves of the store. Why? Because they were perishable. They were only going to last a short time. They weren't going to last long. Broccoli, bananas, tomatoes, strawberries have a short, limited shelf life. Look, I don't want to be morbid this morning, but Paul is now instructing, teaching, telling the church what the parousia, the resurrection transformation will be like when Christ comes back. Many of us refer to it as the rapture. So number one, we must, with this rapture in mind, continue serving God with a sense of urgency. Paul uses the word listen. It might say behold in your Bible. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. Now, this mystery in the New Testament is defined by Gordon Fee um, as what was once hidden but now has been revealed in Christ. That's what a mystery is when Paul uses that word. It is going to happen quickly in a moment. We will all be changed. The dead will be given imperishable bodies. 
This is the part, by the way, that the Corinthian church struggled with. Ground body be transformed into something that will last forever. So, so they wanted the spirit and the spiritual things, and they wanted to, they were rejecting um, um, body and fleshly things in the church there. That's where that, that, that false teaching came from. So then he says, when this happens, those who are alive or still alive uh, for the rapture will be transformed as well. Now, many of you are much younger than me, but back in the 70s, there was a set of movies, right? Uh, there was a set of movies. I was a teenager. They were called Left Behind. Right now, you will watch it. You will be giggling in the first 10 minutes, right? It's like way old school, 1978 or something. Um, but back then, we watched those movies, and people were on the edge of their chairs. And they said, I don't want to miss this. If Jesus comes back, I want to be his child. I want to be saved. I don't want to go to hell. People were watching the movies and getting saved, right? And as old school as it is, uh, and, and, and by the way, I do know, I understand there are differing views among Christians when discussing eschatology and end-time events. Um, um, but we do all agree that Christ is coming back again, that he will rule and reign on earth, and that we Christians will spend eternity with Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 gives us um, a glimpse behind the curtain of this same mystery. So, Paul is saying... Uh, and, and I have to confess to you, I am no longer 25, 30 years old. <laughs> Some of y'all are giggling. They said, we can see even from in the back. <laughs> but I am around the age where I am dealing with my mortality. That life, even lived to the earthly max, is short, right? 75, 80 years old. My wife's mom is, is 85, and we just keep cheering for her, man. She, she's getting it. I don't think about it all the time, but I am motivated by the word of God here to continue sharing the gospel with a sense of urgency. Sharing the gospel. Now, don't misunderstand me. I surround myself with as many young people in my church as I can. Uh, I love your energy. I love your desire to share the gospel, how much you love Jesus. Sometimes, uh, sometimes us not so 25 or 30 year old, we just slow down a little bit. We just do it a little slower than you. But the Bible says this, that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. As a person in recovery, I clung to that verse when I was 22 years old. I knew Jesus. I had been to church. My parents loved Jesus. And at the age of 22, I ended up in rehab, scratching my head, addicted to cocaine and alcohol. But if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. I stood on the truth of the word of God like you do. And I said, as my ladies at church like to say, the devil is a liar, amen? amen. No, that's right, that's right. Y'all know I'm talking to mothers in church. The devil is a liar. But, but I believed, I believed. So I am a new man in Christ. But guess what? I still wake up feeling this arthritis in my hands and the ache in my back on a somewhat regular basis. I still live in this flesh and blood, this body, it is a perishable body that will eventually be sown into the ground like Paul states here. It will be sown a perishable body but will be raised imperishable should I not live to see the rapture. People in my community on Green Mount Avenue need to hear the gospel. 
They need to come to Christ, just like on Utah and in West Baltimore, and they need to become disciples. I must continue to have a sense of urgency about being a disciple maker, a follower of Jesus, and so must you, my friends. Verses 54 through 57 We'll take a look at it for a moment and we will say we're continue. We must continue serving God with the end in view. So this is where it gets really good because in a moment, Paul, in the way he speaks in the Greek language, is really, in a sense, going to mock death. Paul is going to mock death. When this happens, when this mortal puts on immortality, death is swallowed up in victory. Amen? Let me say I need a win today. Somebody said it, amen. So Paul, what he's going to do as saying this, he's going to quote two Old Testament scriptures here regarding sin, death, God's mercy, and salvation. Paul makes this point in a remarkable way. He cites two Old Testament texts that he understands as yet to have been fulfilled. Gordon Fee says this is the only instance of his citing yet unfulfilled prophecy. But as always, he cites the Old Testament in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So, if you'd like to turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 25, often, often I'll have these scriptures up here and I won't turn to them. I felt compelled to hear a couple pages this morning. Isaiah 25 verse eight. And this is where Paul is quoting from here as he mocks death because he knows that Jesus Christ has been risen from the dead. Paul said, uh, Isaiah, Isaiah says here on behalf of the Lord, Isaiah says, he, speaking of God, he will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all the faces. And he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. I prayed with a man last week outside the fence at our food pantry. And he said, Pastor, this happened and that happened. And he said, as a result, I'm, I'm hiding in my apartment uh, for various reasons. And he said, Pastor, I hate living this life like this. He said, Pastor, I, I don't want to go back to that place. I don't know what to do. Grown man, probably, probably about my age, tough guy, right? Uh, hadn't seen him in food pantry for several weeks. Come to find out he's hiding out in his apartment. Tears streaming down his face. He was broken. He was tired. He didn't know what to do. God gives us this promise through Isaiah. The day is coming when he will swallow up death for all time and the Lord God will wipe away all the tears. I must share this hope with the people in our community who are hurting, who have suffered loss, who are grieving. I've met I've met a mother who is grieving the loss of her child to violence 15 years ago. And she's still, she's wrestling with that grief fresh like it was yesterday. And I feel her pain. I feel her pain. We lost our son 18 months ago. Not even 18 months ago. To an accidental overdose. of Fentanyl. Here in Baltimore City. My child, my firstborn son, true, true. Confessed Jesus, loved Jesus, baptized in the church, life went sideways. How many times have you heard the story? And yet, I need a win. I need to hear that Christ is coming back. That mother, she needed to hear that in Christ Jesus, her tears will be wiped away. 
Because you see, this is a hopeful message. This is a true message. This is going to happen. Sometimes I don't live my life with that sense of urgency, right? And I'm going to go on vacation. We're going to chill and, you know, take it easy for maybe get a, get a new car. None of those things are bad. None of those things are bad. None of those things are wrong. But I'm not sometimes waking up in the morning saying, who desperately needs to hear the gospel today? So Paul says it. Paul says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? But then I have to go, uh, like Paul did, to the book of Hosea. And in Hosea chapter 13. Hosea chapter 13. This is challenging for me. God said to Hosea, I want you to go and take a wife, have children. Your spouse is going to leave you. Your spouse is going to cheat on you. Your spouse is going to have her business and yours out all over the whole city. And then I want you to go and find her and buy her back and love her and bring her back home and treat her like it never, ever happened. Hosea 13, 14, God is, God is speaking here on behalf, uh, uh, the prophet is speaking here on behalf of God. Shall I ransom them from the power of hell? Shall I redeem them from death? O death, where are your thorns? O Sheol, where is your sting? He finishes by saying, compassion will be hidden from my sight because he's dealing with his disobedient Israel, who he said are like the unfaithful spouse, having known God and been betrothed to God, have gone out and left him as though they didn't know him and cheated on him and put their business on the street. And sometimes I think of myself, and the Apostle Paul is very intentional when he quotes these scriptures. When I think of what God did through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ paid my ransom. He paid a heavy price with his blood, with his death, with his suffering and humiliation. He paid that ransom. That was the bag full of money that God used to redeem me, to buy me back. You see, I'm like Gomer. And by the way, God, how do you tell a man to go marry a woman named Gomer? I don't know. I said I wasn't going to say that this morning. See, I lack self-discipline. But I am like Gomer. God said he needs to be ransomed. God said I will buy him back from his sinfulness. Man, that breaks my heart when I read that. I had a professor, a grown man in Bible college, it just... He read some of the scriptures in Hosea one day, and he almost fell down, tears streaming down his face. And I have never been the same. You hear what I'm saying? Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Now, Paul's not going to miss this opportunity. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. You see... This perishable body that will eventually be sown into the ground, like Paul states here, it will be sown perishable but will be raised imperishable. Number three. Excuse me a second. Got a little carried away and just totally left. 
God asked the question, shall I pay the ransom and retrieve them from the power of hell? Shall I buy them back from death? This, my friends, is salvation. God, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Christ on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, has redeemed you and me. That's why Paul said in verse 35, 36, you fool, how could you, t- how could you say that no resurrection from the dead has taken place? Paul is still making the case here that Christ indeed was risen from the dead, and so will we, his children. Of course, Paul cannot help but mention in verse 56 that the power of sin is the law. We learned in Romans that the law is good. Brother Eric said this already this morning. I almost fell out of my chair. The law is good because it reveals and names the sin that would condemn one, except for what Christ has done. Romans 5, 20 and 21 say that the law came in so that the transgression would increase. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Verses 57 and 58, Paul does something I did not understand until I really, I asked God, I said, God, tell me something fresh, God. Uh, God gave me a spanking. I confessed my sins all week, felt like I was under the discipline of the Lord. I'm studying the word of God, and this is the best part in 57 and 58. As we continue serving God with joy because your work matters. You, serving God, day in and day out, your work matters. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So, verse 57 is our victory, but thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, I needed a win. Some of our friends... Uh, on Greenmount Avenue, they need a win. They don't know yet that their hope and that their win is going to be found in Jesus Christ. But when he calls someone to salvation and he saves them, then they know. So we must continue serving God with joy because your work matters. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of the circumstances that may discourage me, I must lean into and live into this truth. One of the things that your pastor said to me when I met him, we were having a a significant conversation. He said, Charlie, just lean into the grace of God. Charlie, just just lean in, lean in. The Old Testament Hebrew word for incline, lean in to the grace of God. I must live and live into this truth. In Christ Jesus, I win. In Christ Jesus, you win. Again, the gospel, the victory is through our Lord Jesus Christ. The surprising feature of this exhortation in 57 and 58 is that it is not, well, particularly in 58, it is not directed at the ethical behavior as such, but it's directed towards the word of the gospel, not the work of the gospel. Now, this is the part that, that, that God revealed this week in his word. So by denying the resurrection of the dead, some are leading others astray and denying the gospel. Verses 57 and 58 are the climax of this chapter. Paul has addressed the false teaching that some were believing and using to discourage others. He states that the gospel is of first importance, right, in the beginning of the chapter. The resurrection of the dead is key to the gospel. Jesus Christ, the first fruits of the resurrection, conquered sin and death. So Paul gives a threefold exhortation here in 58 as a result. He says, therefore, or so then... 
And then he does it first on the negative side. He says, let nothing move you. He says, he says, let nothing move you. And then on the positive side, he says, he says, be steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Paul uses two words together, though, steadfast and unmovable, or immovable, your Bible may say there. He uses them together. Um, in the Greek language, he encourages the Corinthians, do not be shifting from the hope of the gospel. The only other place Paul uses these two words together, and this is how we get this meaning here, is in Colossians 1.23. If indeed you continue in faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. Now, secondly, he says on the positive side here in verse 58, he says, always giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord. So when you and I wake up tomorrow morning, right, when you go to work, when you go to class, wherever it is that you go on Monday mornings and do what you do, preparing for another week, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. If you're home with your children and family, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Paul here does not say with certainty what kind of activity he is talking about. I believe he's talking about both kinds of activity. He may be speaking about what we do generally in day in and day out in our lives. But then he uses that word labor that Paul likes to use when he's talking about the gospel. He uses that word labor. There, when he uses it, are those activities in which Christians engage that specifically involve the gospel. So this is the beauty of the word of God here. Paul ends the chapter the same way he starts the chapter. He says, the gospel is of first importance. I preach the gospel to you. You are saved. You are standing in this gospel, but it doesn't just save you. It impacts your life each and every day. Now, if I allow, sometimes, Paul talks about this in another letter, sometimes we think we grow up, and we are supposed to grow up, and we move on, and, and, and we're maturing in the Lord, but sometimes we have to go back and remember the gospel is always present in our lives, and the gospel will always address the circumstances in your life and mine. So that's the beauty of the Word of God here today. He ends the chapter the same way he began the chapter. He was concerned with the denial by some of the resurrection of the dead and presents strong evidence throughout the chapter supporting the resurrection from the dead and the importance of it regarding the gospel. Paul states, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Friends, what you do matters. What you do matters in the small things, and what I do matters in the small things, and it matters in the large things. I have the privilege of hanging around, being around some high school students and college students on a pretty regular basis. Guys, girls, what you do matters. It matters for the kingdom, even in the small things. It's easy to have a look on my face that's not positive. It's easy to become cynical when I see a continuing cycle of violence in our city. I can't afford to become cynical. I can't afford to give off that cynical vibe. Why? Because death has been swallowed up in victory. 
So you see, I have to continue because my labor in the Lord is not in vain and neither is yours. But you see, I watch, I, I, I leave the news channel on too long. I listen to what other people are saying. And before I know it, someone is in my head trying to get in where only the Holy Spirit belongs. Amen? We can't afford it, my friends. We have to stay. We have to stay focused on the gospel. Every time East... I should say practically, every time East Baltimore Graffiti Church meets, and I do this, and people may mock me, they may not, we pray that no one will die from violence in our city that day. And we pray it every time we meet, because we believe. We do already have the victory. Someday, regardless of what kind of day I'm having or what kind of week I'm having, I'm going to rule and reign with Christ in eternity. Seriously, what in the world do I have to be mad about? It happens, though, doesn't it? We get discouraged. Folks get depressed. Things happen in our world that have never happened before. Followers of Jesus get discouraged. Guess what? Followers of Jesus get depressed, too. Amen? We need good folks around us. We need the love and the fellowship of a church family, and we need to be hearing the word of God. But friends, listen. Listen, as I, as I go away now, as I go away now, I hope there was a message of encouragement that we must continue, continue to serve God with joy, knowing what awaits us in the future and that we can do what we have to do today. Amen. Amen. Thank you.